This is a podcast of Forest Lake Baptist Church Sermons. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit our Facebook page or our website at flbc.org.au. We hope you're blessed by this message. Our eyes are on you, Lord. Good thing. Very good thing, because he's beautiful and he's wonderful and he's gracious. And when he calls us to say, turn to me, eyes on me, pray to me, talk to me, we will be blessed when we do this. This is a very, very good vision for the year. So we're in a vision series. Uh, Marcus preached on the Lord's call to us as we look to him and the things that he's saying back to us to be more seen in our community, to be like that city on a hill, to be those who fly flag for Jesus in this place and people know it and see it. That's a wonderful thing. Ruth last week talked to us about serving our community, not serving just snippets of a person, not just trying to deposit a gospel message in everyone in Forest Lake. We could perhaps hire a sign writer in the sky, a big plane, just get a bit of John 3.16 up in the sky or something, if, if all it was was just getting a message. No, Ruth said it's holistically. We want to love the whole person. We want to know what's going on in their life. We want to love them, bless them. Gee, that's what Jesus calls us to. And depositing the wonderful news of Jesus. This week, we're going to be on uh, looking at reflecting our community. How does Forest Lake Baptist Church and the kingdom of God in this area reflect the broader community in terms of the vast number of different kinds of people that we have around? So that's where we're going. Reflecting our community is today's one. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll jump on in. The Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that that you call us again and again, and particularly this year, to turn our eyes towards you. As we do that, Lord, please help us to catch what you're throwing back. Lord, we want to know what you want us to do. We want to know who you want us to be, Lord, not just collectively but individually. And so I thank you, Lord, that you, your word says that we have your spirit here this morning in each one that trusts and knows you, and that your spirit will do something in our hearts this morning as your word is read and as we listen to you, that for each one here, they might have the kind of challenge that you want to bring them as they turn their eyes towards you. Lord, if you want to use me in that process, please do. If there's anything I've prepared to say that's not what you want, then don't let me say it. We want to know what you want to tell us this morning, and I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, flip over to the next slide there. There should be a picture. This is a Monstera plant. Some of you who are like, oh, I hate gardening, are like, I'm switching off already. That's it. I'm done. This is what I wanted my, when you walk into our house, I wanted a pot plant with one of these monstera plants sitting, sitting on it that's nice and, and, and luscious and looks really green and the leaves are really big. I want it to look like that. However, this is what my front porch looks like. I was on track. I really was. I picked 46 caterpillars off my monstera plants. It took them under a day to demolish all of it. I would love to be able to see the future, you know, like to just be able to see into the future and know this was going to happen. Reverse back to when butterflies, I tell you what, I have an issue with butterflies. Give me two seconds. They look really pretty and they put them all in paintings, but they lay eggs that do this eventually. So if you see a butterfly, just shoot away. Um, if I could just see the future, I would have been able to act, act differently. Wouldn't it be great if we could see the future with all, all kinds of things? One of the great things about the Bible and unique things about the Bible 
is there's moments where we catch glimpses of certain futures, not like predictions. Like I can probably predict that some monstera leaves will grow back and they'll probably get eaten again next year. And so if I look every day, you know, I'm not talking about predict predictions that might happen. I'm talking about when the Bible speaks about what the future is going to be, we can know that it's going to be that. We're going to be having a look at a passage in Revelation today, Revelation chapter 5. It's up on the screen there. And in it, we catch a glimpse of Jesus and elders and uh, the mighty one on the throne and these creatures in the future looking back and praising Jesus for work he has done. And we're going to take note, what is Jesus getting praised for? Because right now we're standing at a point in history before this time and we get to know what the handiwork of Jesus is going to be in advance. So we can, as we turn our eyes towards Jesus and we say our eyes are on you, we can take some certain future into account in the way that we live now. It's unique and it's amazing. So we're going to start reading it. Just before we start reading, I want to explain a little bit where we are at. For those who don't know the book of Revelation, it's actually a vision from a guy called John. Imagine a guy called John. He's, he's, he's got up in the morning, he's eaten breakfast, he's brushed his teeth with, I don't know, did they do that? They have probably not brushed his teeth, maybe with a stick or something. And at some point in the day, God has seen fit to provide him with a revelation of uh, great symbology and a whole bunch of other stuff to communicate to him truths that have come down through the ages to us so that we can read today. And in this vision, we're at a point where there's this ancient one who's sitting on a throne, mighty. For John just to be in the presence, he's like trembling. And, you know, you can imagine him looking around in this vision going, what am I seeing? And the, the mighty one on the throne is holding this scroll. And John can see that there's writing on both sides of the scroll, and he really wants to know what's in it. But it's all sealed up. There's seven seals on this thing. And there's this lament that kind of goes around the room. Who's going to open it? And John starts feeling really down. He's like, I don't know who's going to open this thing. I can see it there. I really want to know what's in it, but who's going to open it? And one of the elders comes and taps him on the shoulder and says, don't worry. Someone is here who can open this thing. He's a worthy one. He's worthy to open the seals. So let's read and see what happens in Revelation uh, 5 from verse uh, 7. And then he went, this is the worthy one, and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he'd taken the scroll, the four living creatures and 24 elders fell down before the lamb, this worthy one each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song. This is the song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. That happened in history. You were, and by your blood you ransomed people from God, from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. So what did Jesus do? When he's standing at this point in the future, and people are praising him for stuff he's done, what were some of the things he did? Well, he died. 
Why did he die or what did he do? And he redeemed people from every nation, tribe, tongue, language. It's like as if they, they were trying to say all people, every people group you can think of because they just put the word people in there. People who speak different languages, yes. People from different tribes, yes. Just peoples. Jesus redeemed them all. You want to know what's in Jesus' heart? It's not mono-ethnic or monocultural or mono, and it's not just one. Jesus looks around the world and he loves people from all over it who think so differently to you and I. This is beautiful. It's wonderful. What did he do with them? Well, he, he makes them into a kingdom and priests. There's this show on TV called Mr. Maker. Is anyone familiar with Mr. Maker? I've got a few of the people who have probably got grandkids or kids. They're the ones. Mr. Maker is this you know, eccentric, kind of crafty guy. Who's, the backdrop of him is just all this craft materials in drawers, and he just pulls something out, and he whips it up, and he makes some things. I'd put Mr. Maker just below Bluey and just above Play School in terms of his entertainment value. It's pretty good. He makes things. He takes craft materials, and he makes things. Jesus... If you want to know what he's doing now at this point in history, he's making something. He's redeemed a bunch of people. He's saved them. He's changed them from the inside out, and he's activating them for a purpose. It's to create a kingdom on earth. When I say kingdom, I don't know what conjured up in your mind. You might be thinking castles and queens and a whole bunch of stuff like that, with big walls, like a town surrounded by a big wall so it can keep people out. When we're talking kingdom in God's economy, we need to think people. Jesus has a kingdom of people. It's not rocks. It's not buildings. It's not towns. It's not political parties. Jesus builds a kingdom out of people. Mr. Maker the Jesus turns around and looks at his craft stash. Oh, there's someone. I'll put them out. And he turns around to a different place. Somebody that is completely different to the person that he grabbed over here. And he goes, oh, yeah, they're for my kingdom too. Oh, here's for my kingdom too. If you want to know what Jesus is up to here, he's up to making a kingdom of people from all different languages, all different tribes, all different people groups, and it's beautiful. So there's really two aspects. If, if this is true about Jesus, and we know that in the future Jesus is going to get praised for his handiwork on making this awesome kingdom. Sometimes when Mr. Maker finishes making stuff, I look out and I go, mate, that guy's talented at craft. That's essentially the equivalent kind of thing that's happening here in Revelation. People are all looking at this worthy one, the lamb, and saying, you made something awesome. It's a kingdom full of people, all different tribes, all different nations. It's wonderful. It's marvelous. So if, if that's true, and we want to reverse back to now, in the here and now, where we're in the process of being made, there's a couple of implications. They're like these legs that are walking through history in light of this truth that Jesus wants to use all different people for his kingdom. The first one is existing kingdom outposts. I don't know how to, I don't know whether that communicates something to you. But what I'm saying is there's these little local additions of God's kingdom FLBC, FLBC, I don't know how many times I've said that acronym and can't say it now. FLBC being one of them, Hope Tree, where I'm from, being one of them. There's these little pockets. How should we act 
in light of the truth that Jesus is about crafting all different kinds of people into his kingdom. I've let the cat out of the bag a bit there. I think we should be welcoming and including the people. Can we do a little bit of a, uh, a test? Flip over the next slide there. A test. That, that, was, that was bad. I shouldn't call it a test. I'd like to know if there's anybody who can read any of that that's here. Would you like to read in a loud voice? Can you, can you give it a go? And can you, your second language is good. Can you tell us what it is? So good, hey. Just let that sink into you. Let it sink in that all around the world, in many languages, there's three up on the board here, but all around the world, people know this statement about who Jesus is. If you want to know why they know it, it's because the language has been translated by someone who was living in light of this truth going, oh, the message about Jesus isn't just for me. It's about for people that aren't like me as well. Bible translation is a reality that people have been pursuing in this world in light of the truth that Jesus is not just for one group. He's for all groups. If we were to zoom up into the sky and look down and see what God sees, I don't know how many different languages he's being praised in right now. This is why Jesus gets that praise in heaven, because he is doing it now. We see it. It's not just like this, maybe it'll happen. We're right in the midst of it happening, even now. And because of this beautiful you know, reality, we are sitting in evidence of Jesus' goodness and his wonderful makerness. We're sitting right here in evidence of, of, of the kingdom. What does that mean for local additions? What does this mean for local churches? It means we need to go out of our way to be welcoming to all kinds of people that come here. And not only that, I'm going to say a dirty word. Change. I said it. We, we might have to change some of the way we do things so that we can help accommodate people from cultures and languages other than our own. This is at the heart of Jesus. Remember our Lord and Saviour, the one who's doing the making? When we turn our eyes towards him, what we can expect is that he'll say, can you just turn this dial so we can reach these people better? Can you turn that little bit there so that when people come, they understand more of what's going on? I mean, we're speaking a lot in English here. One of the moments this penny dropped to me was when we had uh, an African congregation that we were doing more uh, um, things with, and we had some joint services, and in a prayer time, said, okay, let's pray. And then, not shocking to them, but shocking to me, everyone just started speaking all at the same time. They were praying. They were all praying at once. We're used to the sage on the stage going, okay, let's pray, and spewing out all of the, the, the lovely words for everyone. But their culture was different. They just did it different. It's not wrong. 
There's no rule that Jesus has. I want at a time, please. He's not like at Woolies where you have to take a ticket. Stop, stop. Somebody else is praying now. So they all prayed. Another moment when it came to roost was uh, when I was leading worship at an evening service in some of the early days. I had my Bible and I, I read from it at the start of a worship song and I closed it and I just popped it on the ground right here. And there were some Islamic people that were checking out our church. And they came up to me afterwards and said, you don't even, you don't even like the Bible, do you? You're a fraud. I said, what? I, you know, I was reading from it. We were singing from it. I was so confused. So it's a holy book. You don't treat things you like by putting them at the same level as your feet. Oh, there's things that we don't even know we do that when we turn our eyes towards Jesus and we say, Lord, help us to be a welcoming and an including place for lots of people from lots of different tribes, nations, tongues, language, people, groups, he's going to tell us to change some stuff probably, to not cause unnecessary offence. What else could we be doing? Well, it comes down to a couple of things, but I think you could boil it all down into deliberate love. When you see somebody who you know is maybe not like you, even if you're in the minority, do what you can to deliberately love people who are different to yourselves. That's Jesus's mode of operation. It's what he does and he loves it. The reason he loves it it's because that is what has got the gospel and his message translated and all across the entire world. That's why his kingdom is a worldwide kingdom from individuals deliberately choosing to love somebody who's not like them. So that's the first leg. We're to look at our local congregations. Hope Tree's got to look at itself, and FLBC's got to look at itself. And we've got to ask ourselves this question How can we deliberately love people who come amongst us, who are different culture to us? How can I personally deliberately love somebody who's different to me? These are at the very heart of Jesus for you, and I hope He's stirring some ways you can deliberately do that, some people you can deliberately even go to. That's one thing. If we flip over to the next slide. We got it. Ah, yes. Galatians 2 27 to 29. You were all baptized into Christ, and so you were all clothed with Christ. This shows you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, in Christ, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Greek, a slave or free, male or female, you are the same in Christ Jesus. You belong to Christ, so you're Abraham's descendants. You get all of God's blessings because of the promise that God made to Abraham. Did you know you're immensely blessed because of promises God made to a random dude thousands of years ago? And that goes for everyone here, regardless of gender, regardless of language, regardless of people group. Everyone in this room, if you have turned and you have said, yes, Jesus, I'm one of yours, he is knitting you into the kingdom. Everyone. So if you're feeling like you're on the outer here, you need to know that Jesus thinks you're not. Jesus loves you the same as he loves everyone here. That's so beautiful and it's so wonderful because there are so many times in our society where we can go to places where 
we perhaps don't feel like we fit well. And we can start to buy some of the devil's lies that there's something uniquely wrong with us that just poisons us for community. That's a lie. You are made for community. And if you want to know what, to what lengths Jesus has wanted to communicate this to you, he died for you to redeem you, to put you in community and purpose you. You need to know that. And although it might be hard to walk it out and find ways to walk it out, you are so loved. You are loved here in this local patch of God's kingdom. It is here for you. All right. Flip over to the next one. I think it might be a map. Is it a map? Let's go, go another one. I think a map's about to come up. This is a little map of our area, Forest Lake in the middle there, Pilara off to the side, and then Carroll Park and other places on our little map. God sees maps like this, I reckon. You ever, you ever think God's just like the ultimate map guy? Just like, yes, he knows where all the streets are. And not only that, I think he's got big red dots where his children are. And so you can imagine that lit, lit up from God's perspective of all these little kingdom kingdom people there. Bit beautiful. Can I, can I tell you some census data about this area a little bit? Don't want to bore you too much, just a few things. In the Forest Lake region, to the centre of that map, in 2016 to 2021, um, there was an increase in non-English-speaking languages. 30% um, of households speak a non-English language in the home in Forest Lake, 30%, and that's up from 2016 to 2021. So if you were to go knocking on doors, you're probably likely to find one in every three that are coming from a culture that isn't necessarily the, the predominant culture in Forest Lake. And guess what? Jesus loves them all. In Pallara, there's been some very significant changes. It used to be, in 2016, a very similar stat. 30% of people um, spoke a language other than English at home. However, in 2021, when they asked the same question, 70% of Pallara speak non-English languages at home now. 70%. It, it's like the thirds of, you know, it flipped. And so we're more likely, as we're making friends in Pallara, at, at, you know, at Hope Tree and other surrounding suburbs, we're more likely to find people who are coming from cultures that are not my culture. So as a church, as Hope Tree, as our little local patch, we need to think carefully through how are we going connecting with people from cultures that aren't like ours? You know, like, oh, it seems a bit hard. Why don't you just, I don't know, concentrate on the 30%? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus loves the 70%. <laughs> He really loves them and he really wants to reach them and he's really got those little red dots over there, Kingdom Outpost people, and he's calling them to reach outside a culture that's theirs into somewhere else, a culture that's not theirs. So when we're talking about this stuff, it, there's an imminence to us getting good at this. You know what I mean? There are people here now who are feeling lost and lonely in our community, feeling like they don't have a place to belong, and in Jesus' heart is a longingness that they will find out who Jesus is and join the ultimate community of earth, the one that's going to get airtime when the praises are being dished out <laughs> to Jesus. The ultimate community, the kingdom of God, he wants to patch them in. How does he want to patch them in? You. 
me, the kingdom of priests, the, 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 the kingdom of pe- people of the kingdom. All right. I should also mention one other quick aside. There's a lot of uh, political language to do with inclusion and um, tolerance. This is not that. We are not on some sort of a political alignment um, episode here. We just want to get a bit more with the, the nice things in society. We talk a lot about inclusion and including others. It's like, yes, that's good. But if you want to know and you scratch out why we would want to include people in what we do, behind it all you see a king who loves people and has told us to go, not just a good idea or a political party or a cultural wave. Do you understand that this is deeper and this has been going on for ever since Jesus died on the cross and started redeeming people in that, in that way? The gospel has been going out to people, regardless of the political temperature, regardless of the cultural temperature. Jesus has been including people in his kingdom and we're doing that. The second leg, we, we spoke about existing outposts of God's kingdom. What's, what's that about? But there's a second leg, new outposts, new kingdom outposts. We should be actually on about planting new kingdom outposts. Shock horror that I'm the one saying it. FLBC has been on about this already, and praise God, but we need to continue. And I think that we will because as we turn our eyes towards King Jesus, and as King Jesus says, hey, I died for all people to redeem all people and I want them all saved. He will tell us to, yes, include people into what is. He will also tell us to go. It's very easy to think, you know, what, what's the epitome of what we might like to see in light of this truth and to only think local here. And we, we can look around and we can see people from all, like equally represented. We look at the census data and then we look at Forest Lake Baptist and we go, hey, we've got the same percentages. It's a win. I don't think Jesus is stopping there. That would be a win and that would be wonderful if we've been able to include, include people. However, Jesus has bigger plans. He wants to tell some of you to go to new places, to plant new things, to reach new people. And if you want to know how I know that, it's because he's been doing it for centuries. Have a look at Acts 1.8. I think it's on the next slide here but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem is a city. Judea, little area around the city. Samaria, next area. Ends of the earth. The gospel and God's kingdom people have grown and grown and spread and gone. So if you want to know what's Jesus doing when he's making his kingdom, he's not grabbing all the craft pieces and just putting them in one huge pile. He's actually grabbing the craft pieces and he's putting them in a pile for a little guy and then these ones go here and he's starting to add more people to that one and these ones go here and add some more people to that one. These ones, Jesus is in the middle of creating a network of little kingdom outposts all over the earth. You want to know how we know? He's been doing it for centuries. There are kingdom outposts all over the earth. There are kingdom outposts in every country on earth, just about. Jesus has been on this, and we need to align ourselves with what he is up to. 
Now, this doesn't always need, mean creating a brand new uh, church plant and going through all of the, the bells and whistles of organizing that and organizing staff and all that sort of This can be really, really small. This can be you tapping somebody else on the shoulder who you know lives near you and saying, why don't we go to the dog park at the same time every week and try to meet some people there, focusing particularly on people that, that maybe we would never meet otherwise. This might look like a life group saying, you know what, once a month, instead of meeting in someone's home, we're going to go and meet in the same restaurant and we're going to get to know the owners of his restaurant. And we're going to shine our light in a restaurant instead of in a home. There's lots of ways that this can, this can work out, but there are, really are, if we're going to look down the barrel of what we can do and where we are in the grand history of who Jesus is and what he's doing, we can see that, yes, our little local outposts are welcoming and including people, but we are also going out to create new little outposts and new little things. That is what Jesus' heart is for us. Now, the, the exact um, ways that we walk that out, the nitty-gritty details, I confess to you, I don't know, but I'm convinced Jesus does. Honestly, I'm convinced Jesus has earmarked people that are not here now that he wants to reach. And they might relate to one of you and be invited here and... Hallelujah, they might come to faith, be knitted into the kingdom themselves. Or some of you might go away from here to a different place to try a different thing and you might reach them that way. But I do know this, Jesus has big plans and he's a good kingdom maker and he's been on this and he will be on this. And so as we turn our eyes to Jesus and we say, our eyes are on you, Lord, Guess what he's going to tell us to do? He's going to tell us to keep being his kingdom, to align ourselves with the way he's making, and his kingdom will grow in Forest Lake and surrounds. His kingdom will grow in Pilara and surrounds. Do you want to know why? He's been doing it for centuries. Now, if you're like me and you hear something like this, sometimes when I read a book about just how passionate God is to reach the nations and to reach the world or to reach other cultures and other people groups. I just go, I'm just busy and it's hard. I'm just tired. You know, the one thing that I keep coming back to when I feel like that is I look at passages like Revelation 5 and I look at who's getting the glory. It's not me. It's Jesus. Jesus is the one who will do this. And so as easy as it is to go, I'm tired and there's other things. As we look to God and his kingdom, Jesus is not a king. He tells us to go and do impossible tasks and doesn't equip us for it. He's given us his spirit. He's given us his word. He's given us his other. He's given us his massive blessings. All the blessings that were promised to Abraham are ours in Christ Jesus. We're blessed up for this task. And he is the giver of all those good things and so if you feel like, oh, I can't do it, I don't have, the, I don't have what I need, I, I, I can't do this, ask Jesus for what you need because it's in his heart to give it. This is what he wants to do. Our eyes are on you, Lord. He tells us to be on about the work of kingdom expansion for him and his glory and the people 
tribes, nations, languages that don't currently know Jesus. And we go, and he goes, up, up, here, take this, take this, take this. Now are you equipped? Yes, Lord, let's go. Our eyes are on you, Lord. He's the one who gets the glory. Can you imagine being in that place in Revelation 5? Imagine being John and seeing, and there's a mighty one on a throne and angels and elders, and they all just start worshipping about how good Jesus has been in making the kingdom that we are a part of. It's made up of all nations, tribes, languages, tongues. Beautiful. Let's pray. Let's ask. Our eyes are on you, Lord. We're not just saying it because we've said it heaps. Our eyes are on you, Lord. And when we look, we see a wonderful king who is on about the process of making his kingdom here in our midst, making his kingdom in Forest Lake, making his kingdom in Palara, making his kingdom in surrounding other suburbs. And so, Lord, we ask that you might help us to be obedient to you, that we might be good craft pieces, fit for purpose. Lord, we thank you so much that you call us to something of, of so much substance, of purpose, that we don't need to feel like we're on a task we could never, ever do. Lord, we can feel that we are equipped, that we are readied by you every day. So, Lord, help each one here to have ideas stirring in their heart about how they can love people not like themselves, how they can go to people not like themselves. Oh, Lord, would you wrestle hearts here this morning? Would you help them come up with ideas and visions for their little patch, their little pocket? Please, would you do that? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.